Please stay tuned. You with Sirius FM 105.7, your number one station in the East Rand. Absolutely, your number one station in the East Rand. And I know you'll stay tuned. You have to stay tuned because it's time for your weekday or your weekend or your Friday dose of uh, quick fire Q&A with uh, the Mufti that really has the energy, has the power. Eight foot seven, seven foot eight, our very own Mufti Ibrahim Smith. Mufti Sam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me how you're doing this fine, beautiful Jumma morning. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Shafat, indeed a beautiful, wonderful Jumma morning. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless this entire Ummah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us all for the service of his deen, inshaAllah. Amina Summa Amina Mufti Saba. Looking at your question, yes, says Assalamu alaikum Mufti. There's a spike in a new COVID 19 cases. As a person with uh, comorbidities, uh, can I really, can I, can I read my salah at home while Ummah didn't give, uh, um, your directive yet to close uh, Masjid? Uh, yes, sir, Mufti Saab. Yes, we saw in, I've heard about the spike, uh, in the new COVID cases, mostly in the Eastern Cape. And the Western Cape as well, and somewhere else also. Perhaps are we entering the second phase that they are speaking about, Shafat? Uh, we're not sure yet, you know, we're waiting for the Minister of Health uh, to address the issue. But as far as the ulama are not giving directives yet, yes, one can use his own discretion. We don't need to wait uh, uh, on the ulama for this, because it is not the first time. And uh, the call to uh, close the masajid, that is not come yet. And I don't think anyone wants to do that again, uh, seeing how much dispute and uh, disruption it brought about, you know. So if you're a person living with comorbidities because of hypertension or weak immune system, etc., and you feel that it is safe for you to read your salah at home, then read your salah at home, inshallah, you will be rewarded for that also, as long as you're not discarding your salah completely. But if you are healthy and you feel healthy and you've taken all your necessary precaution, uh, as per directives uh, that you know best how to implement, then you can continue reading your salah in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Mufti and team. Uh, Jumma Mubarak to all Muslims. I mean, a woman was about to make a ghusl for Janabath, then got her haydha. When do she make uh, ghusl or must she wait for her haydha to finish and make ghusl for both? Shukran wa salam, Mufti. Yes, so both will be major ritual impurities. Uh, what she can do, she can just uh, wash her body normally, like a person would perform a ghusl, uh, that is just to get rid of the impurities uh, on her body, uh, uh, you know, and then uh, when uh, hide will expire, she will only perform one ghusl. One ghusl will suffice uh, for both of the shafat because she's already in major ritual impurities. Hadatul Akbar, they call it in the Arabic fiqh terms. So after the uh, expiry of her height, uh, whether it is seven days, five days, etc. She knows her cycle best. Then she will perform one ghusl, and after that, she will become clean and park for solarji. Hey, I like Mufti said uh, fiqh, and then he said fiki. Yeah, fiki terms. Hey, buy my diamond. Ah, I like it. Fiki. Hey, fifi. Leisterie. They say fiki. Okay. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Mufti. Some say we cannot participate in a Black Friday as it has religious connotations. What is the correct opinion, Mufti Saab? Yes, sir. people used to think it has a religious connotation as long as we do not make it a religious uh, festival celebration and as long as those people who initiated this Black Friday and Cyber Monday madness 
as long as they do not attach a religious connotation to it. So basically, it is a time for shopping, shopping spree, and uh, there's no Black Friday in Islam, Shafat, every Friday. It's a beautiful, wonderful Jummah, Mubarak, you know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us a blessed day for us. So that we need to understand first and foremost. We cannot substitute our Jummah, our abundant durood, our extra salah, whatever we do on the blessed day, for standing in long, long queues, which only is temporary benefit, because a Jummah are lost if a Jummah are lost. So there's no religious connotation. It is permissible for us to do uh, shopping that we deem unnecessary. And what is a necessity, we shouldn't go out and squander and buy unnecessary things because in Allah says, indeed, those that squander, they are actually the brothers of the devil. Not following the devil, but yeah, Allah says, they are the brothers of the devil. So that is with regard to Black Friday. And because of the pandemic also, those who have access to Wi-Fi, those who have uh, online accounts, it is safer for them then to do so. And uh, they can still do that while making the curve. They can still do that while going early to the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, so don't join the mob and get robbed of your Jummah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Moi. Bye, Moi. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, let's read. There's so many questions coming through. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Yeah, Yusuf says, Three screens of question. Which one, Yusuf? Okay, he says, go middle screen. He says, Assalamu alaikum. Can we read Salah after a tooth extraction? Or do we have to wait for the bleeding to stop? And if we can't, will we be sinful for missing Salah? Mufti? If you miss Salah, of course, intentionally, and there's no valid excuse, uh, then you will be uh, sinful, you'll incur sin. And uh, nevertheless, you will still have to repeat it after that. If the blood coming out of your mouth is more than your saliva, uh, then uh, you will have to repeat your hudu. If the blood coming out of your mouth is less than your saliva, then inshallah your hudu will be intact. So you'll have to gauge shafat. Normally the bleeding will stop uh, within an half an hour or so. So if there's excessive bleeding coming from your gu- from your gums and you can taste that blood at the back of your mouth, uh, then you can uh, delay your salah a little bit. And uh, remember, you're not supposed to rinse your mouth also after extracting a tooth. You're supposed to bite uh, on cotton wool very, very hard and uh, until the blood uh, subsides, you know, and becomes uh, less. So there is sufficient period, uh, according to my understanding, uh, between the extraction of a tooth and uh, between the next solar. The only t- place uh, or time that you'll have difficulty is if you do it after Asr because of the time constraints or you extract your tooth after Maghrib, which are seldom uh, very, very seldom happens because most dentists are closed by the time G. Yeah, with a numb gum and a numb tooth, tooth is out, the dentists are bite, bite hard on the sand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, that one jog. Hey, 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 Mufti Saab, I can feel that extraction. Yeah, okay. <laughs> ah, it's easy when, once the injection goes, it's all easy. After that, yes. there's a big gap. Hey, Allah is amazing. And how that, uh, you know, it regenerates and you get the gum getting harder. The kudras of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, this question says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Mufti and Shaf. Can a person who shaves his beard off uh, be appointed as uh, the Mu'azzin? His appointment causes controversy amongst the worshippers. Perhaps he's from Malaysia or he may be from Japan and or China. There's only one hair standing there. Uh, anyway, your comments, Mufti Saab. Yes, we should first ascertain, Shafad, why did the person shave his beard? It could be a medical director from uh, the doctor uh, that told him that uh, please shave your beard or keep it very, very short because of some sort of skin disease. So first ascertain that if he's doing it, uh, you know, just because of the sake of shaving, there's no real reason, then that person will be deemed a far sick 
So he'll be kind of aggressor in a sinner. In that case, it is Makro to appoint someone uh, who doesn't, uh, who shaves his beard, you know, doesn't wear the beard according to the prescribed sunnah. So we shouldn't appoint people like that who shaves of their beard deliberately and goes against uh, the sunnah teachings of the Nabi alayhi salatu salam. And we shouldn't appoint people that will bring controversy and split and fragment the ummah further. I think we had enough of that also for one lifetime, you know, that yes, not everyone will be happy with the appointment of someone else in the community, but as long as that person is a practicing Muslim and he adheres and sticks to the sunnah, then people should keep their uh, their comments to themselves because he's not violating any laws of Sharia. In this case, he's violating the law of Sharia if he's shaving his beard off deliberately, G. My husband put some money away a while ago for giving out as a sadaqah. Now he wants to use it to repay a debt. Is this allowed, Mufti? Yes, you can actually use the money. You know, it will only be uh, uh, deemed sadaqah the moment you give it with intention. So the moment you give it to the next person or to the next group of people or organization, then only that money will be uh, termed as sadaqah. At the moment, it will be called money that has been stored or money that has been kept uh, for something, you know. So you can you have multiple uses for that money because, remember, he made an intention for that as well. So as long as it has not been executed, he will even be rewarded just for his intention, Shafatji. Mufti, a wealthy non-Muslim family member of mine passed away in Mauritius. I'm included in his will. Can I inherit from him, Mufti Saab? Uh, you cannot inherit from a non-Muslim. A Muslim cannot inherit from a non-Muslim. Uh, that is uh, based on the hadith of, of the Nabi alayhi salatu salam. You know, there's, uh, in fact, there's consensus amongst the four legal schools, the Hanafi, the Baliki, the Shafi, the Hanbali uh, schools of thought. They agree that and concur that one cannot uh, inherit from a non-Muslim. So in this case, you will have to decline. Or if you take that money, you will have to give it away as charity. Uh, where you are for sometimes they are forced uh, to pay out that money and you as the recipient will have to receive that money to acknowledge uh, that you have received it so in that case also even if you receive that money then you will have to give it away you cannot benefit from that money G. okay what's the best charity to for him to give uh, Mufti Saab with that money I would say uh, orphans uh, Shafat because they are one sector of our community that normally suffers or give it to widows those without husbands those people who have lost their jobs also because we're living in tough times and we have to look at every different sector of our community and not streamline it to only one source. Uh, there's enough people doing feeding schemes, etc. But what about the rest of our charity cases out there that also needs uh, our attention, G? No, well said, the Mufti Saba. A Mufti, every December some Muslim youth uh, dye their hair purple, blue or other similar colors. Are Muslims permitted uh, to follow this uh, trend? I've seen the, these type of uh, youngsters, our, our Muslim youth, Shafat, following the trends of Western culture and uh, dyeing the red also in green. I've seen so many funny colors, you know, that is not the correct way. That is actually emulating other people and other denominations because uh, some other people from a different religion, they are doing it. So our children, our youngsters and youth, they are also following. We should stick to what the Sunnah has uh, commanded us to do, and that is to apply henna, which is a specific color. Uh, either it is a fawn color or a dark brown color. That is what we are permitted to do. We shouldn't follow any other trends and go against the grain of the Sunnah teachings of our beloved Nabi Ali Salatu Salam Ji. Yeah, you tell the light, hey, take off your kufya, man. I want to see what you did. Hey, when they take you, say, what? Blue hair. <laughs> Where 
I, I saw that with this up. I saw that. It looks like it, it looks like candy floss. Uh, some of the <laughs> it actually look like candy floss. You want to eat from there because it looks like that shocking pink and neon and all these funny, funny type of colors. Gee. Uh, with the uh, hundreds and thousands sprinkled over it. Yes, I'm Mufti Saab, absolutely right. Uh, Salams, I'm a revert to Islam. Uh, please explain uh, to me the difference between Inshallah and Mashallah. Thank you. Uh, good question. Very, very good question. Uh, some people use it uh, interchangeably without really understanding the correct meaning of it. So when a person uh, says Inshallah, what he's basically saying is he's making any future act uh, that he wants to do, you know, he makes that contingent upon the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, if Allah wants, then I will execute and perform such and such uh, a type of action. That is with regards to inshallah, if Allah wants. But when a person says, mashallah, he literally saying what Allah is willed or has occurred. Meaning that what is in my possession, uh, what I have received, what was bestowed upon me from the bounties and the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what Allah has willed for me. And we are commanded to say this, uh, uh, mashallah, abundantly shafat because it keeps away the evil eye, it uh, keeps away the effects of the evil eye, which is also real. So when Allah has granted you or bestowed upon you a blessing and a favor, then remember that you should say, mashallah, or those people coming to you, uh, say in front of them, mashallah, and in that way, you will escape out of the evil eye. Because it is not because of your know-how, your skill, uh, your money, etc. It is only because of the father and bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has bestowed such a favor upon you, Chi. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell, hey, inshallah, Kazi, I'll see you tomorrow. Inshallah. But uh, when Mufti gives you a good nasi, I say, Mashallah, Mufti, Mashallah. Hey, I tell you, that was a Mashallah nasi. Uh, the question here says, uh, Mufti, my daughter wants to know if it is uh, permissible to apply a saffron on the head of a newly born uh, baby girl, Mufti Saab. Yes, uh, it's not actually a sunnah, but it is permissible to apply saffron on uh, the head of a baby, a newborn baby uh, specifically. You'll find this mentioned in uh, some uh, different type of uh, uh books also in some sharah uh, explanation of uh, hadith books as well uh, you will see that uh, some ulama even saying that this practice is mustahab meaning it is desirable and uh, preferable shafat so there's no harm in that as long as it is permissible to do g uh, mufti sahab how will the unholy alliance between israel and saudi affect muslims the thing they had a secret meeting uh, the Saudis are denying this meeting ever took place vehemently. They're saying, no, it never happened. Uh, but uh, the Israeli camp on the other side is saying, no, it did happen. Netanyahu meeting, meeting a MBS for a secret meeting. So this is not the first time perhaps that they have met. You know, we do not know what happened, uh, what, what's happening behind the scenes and uh, what they are orchestrating. But it is an unholy alliance. Uh, you cannot make a friends with uh, the opposite party uh, people that uh, unless you have the same agenda, then it is easy for you, you know. So how it will affect the Muslim Ummah, we'll see in the days that will come forward now, inshallah, that Mahma Tubtin Yudhuru Ayam, the Arabs always say that whatever you conceal, time always exposes it. So even if you bury a body so deep down as time uh, goes along, 
it will be exposed. Similarly, in these secret meetings that happened, uh, we will see what impact it will cause for the Muslim. But it will be a different world now post-COVID-19. Not only Muslims, everyone should be prepared for the Shafat. It will be a completely different world that we are living in. What is the uh, norm today, that will become the new norm tomorrow also, G. Yes, sir, Mufti Saba, this uh, question says, the festive season started and my boss, who happens to be a Muslim, insists we decorate the supermarket with uh, Christmas decorations. Is uh, this allowed, uh, Mufti Saba? No, no, it is not allowed. You know, unfortunately, your boss, even if he is Muslim, he shouldn't uh, compel and force his workers to hang uh, Christmas dec- the decorations and uh, trimmings. It is not permissible to do that. You cannot revere and respect uh, festivals that is not part of Islam. So that is revering something uh, which goes against the grain and teachings of uh, Islam Shafat. And it won't increase your profits, it won't increase your business. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for you, whatever income you are supposed to get, that is already been decided by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you put a brass band in front, uh, that doesn't mean you will attract uh, more customers. So we shouldn't do that and we shouldn't go that route also. And then we do not want the sin upon us. So now we're instructing our workers to do that and then in such a way we are actually implicating them in the sun as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we shouldn't uh, uh, assist one another in sin and transgression. This is clearly assisting in sin and transgression, G. The local imam here mentioned that we should eat watermelon with dates. Is this correct? Hey, Bufti Saab, those watermelons you got there, I hope you cap some for me. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. It, it's still growing. Uh, I uh, don't know what type it is, but uh, the one specific type that we have is that uh, sugar baby one, that small ones, which is, of course, very, very sweet and rich as well. Yes, your imam is uh, correct. Uh, there is a hadith where the Nabi alayhi salatu salam used to join eating watermelons uh, with that of a fresh date. And then there's another hadith that explains the reason behind the shafat. In one hadith uh, recorded by our mother, Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that the Nabi alayhi salam used to say that we are actually neutralizing the heat of these dates with the coldness of the melon, and we are neutralizing the coldness of the melon with the heat of the dates. So it means it is very, very important the type of foods that we are giving to and feeding to our bodies. Here the word is neutralizing, meaning there should be a balance in our diet. Uh, we shouldn't just eat a lot of hot stuff, you know, or a lot of cold stuff, but foods should be balanced in order for the body to perform at its uh, maximum level and not to become sick as well. So this is part of the dietary laws that uh, were taught to us by the Nabi alayhi salatu salam. In fact, if you have to go to a dietitian today, they will most probably tell you the same thing, that you have to mix cold and hot foods in order to balance the, what goes inside your body, G. Well, I tell you, that's a Yunani tub, uh, tip you gave us. Hey. Looks like quietly you're a Unanitib uh, expert too. Hey, buy him or you may reckon the thing is cold. Watermelon is cold, people. Heat it up. Put some dates in it. Any other combinations can you think of? No, 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 not the ice cream. No, no, ice cream. Is <laughs> and uh, leave that alone. Now, Mufti, uh, this question says, Mufti, my son is uh, going to university next year, inshallah. He wants to know, is it permissible to study and practice as a criminal lawyer, Mufti Saab? Yes, yes, may Allah subhanahu wa accept and protect your son. He's going to university. University is a different type of place nowadays. So it is permissible to study criminal law because you are pre- representing the people. You'll be representing certain type of clients as well. But you must remember that for a person to practice as a criminal lawyer, there are certain things within Islam, within Sharia, that you are not allowed to do. 
And uh, the first one, of course, means you shouldn't use any prohibited means uh, to represent uh, the case of a client uh, taking bribes, etc. And uh, number two, uh, a lawyer shouldn't fight for the right of a person who does not really have a rightful claim to something, uh, inheritance or property or any other thing. Sometimes a client will come and tell you that uh, this belongs to me and he's lying openly and he has to confess to you uh, you as the criminal lawyer representing him because of uh, the relationship between you and him. So if you have that knowledge, then it's not permissible for you to represent him. And lastly also, you cannot uh, fight for a person uh, or, or to get him or, or to become innocent when that person is in reality guilty. So if a person comes to you and that person has committed a certain type of crime, you cannot go out of your way and use your fantastic skills to prove that that person is innocent. Then you'll be assisting in uh, in crime and you'll be assisting in transgression against the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, G. Khair, Mufti Saab, khair. This question says, will a person who committed suicide end up in Jannah eventually, Mufti, or will he stay in hell forever? Very good question, Shafat. We have so many suicide cases nowadays, uh, depression, peer pressure, even youngsters uh, committing suicide, taking their own lives, doing it in front of moving trains, taking selfies, etc., or becoming suicidal. Uh, so, yes, inshallah, we hope that after his punishment and eventually that person after this punishment in the fire of Jahannam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will restore his life. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit him into his jannah. But that is only after punishment. Sometimes uh, the, the wording of the hadith mentions eternal punishment, but it doesn't really mean literally eternal punishment. It means that the person will stay in jannah in yaw for a very, very, very long time. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take him out from there, put him in Nahru Hayat, the river of life, and make him a new being. And then he will be admitted into Jannah, inshallah, because suicide is a major, major sin. There's nothing in life that is so difficult and tough that a person needs to take his own life because life and death is in the hands of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mufti Saba, why are we the citizens of this country living in fear, in anarchy and also crime? It seems like we're already in a civil war. Why has this condition even come upon us Muslims, uh, Mufti Saab? Yes, it's because of our Muslims, uh, we are to be blamed as well. We're not taking the message of Islam to the message of Shafat. We're keeping it there uh, to them. You know, we cannot just uh, feed uh, the people. Uh, feeding is one thing. You have to give da'wah with the food uh, that you give. Islam needs more people. Islam, or at least the country needs to see the beauty of Islam. That means we need to, uh, to, to own up and act up also in such a way, implement the sunnah of the Nabi Ali Islam. Remember, Islam means peace. So if more people become aware of what the concept of Islam is and the fundamental understanding of Islam is, then they will be inclined towards this religion. So when Islam is established as a practical religion, then only peace will prevail. Until that time, there will be no peace because that is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Nur. If you check the verses there, that Allah will establish you in this land, you know, as He has established people before you and our now. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove and substitute your fear with that of peace and tranquility. So that means, uh, first worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not ascribe partners unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If those things are put into place, the perfect mechanism, then peace will be restored to this country, G.
This question says, uh, Mufti Saab, I know you can take it on the chin. The fact is uh, that you and uh, you, uh, oh, okay, he says you and uh, not uh, only you, but most of the ulama are causing division and strife amongst the people. It is uh, this uh, fraternity that has put us in a back foot in South Africa. No, not only here, but throughout the world. I am very humbled and I'm sincere about what I'm saying. Please make maaf. Mufti Saab, uh, how do you react to this anonymous? Uh, yes, uh, Shafat, of course, uh, sometimes the actions of the ulama contribute towards a division, you know, but then you have to look at what is a division because the understanding of, uh, of controversy and division uh, into layman's terms and what the ulama actually knows of that, that is two different things. So sometimes the public out there, they do not understand the intricacies of certain messiah and they will look down upon it as uh, causing division because of their understanding of Islam, which is not right, uh, but, but, but because of academic differences between ulama and uh, the type of research that they've applied to their findings, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, there is a division because it is purely uh, an academic difference regarding one specific ruling. What is said, though, is when ulama take their fight uh, to social media and to all these different type of platforms in trying to get more followers to side with them. Ulama of the past is to give their opinion, alun, and they didn't care afterwards. Whoever accepts it once uh, can accept it, and whoever uh, rejects it, they can reject it also, and they can refute it. Uh, uh, sadly today, Shafat, sometimes the ulama, uh, it is all about majority. That uh, The more rich people I have in my camp, the more wealthy people I have in my camp, the more influential people I have in my camp, that makes my camp more stronger. We have a fragmented I can concur and agree with that. We have fragmented so much and we're taking this battle to the public. That is sometimes because of uh, a lack of sincerity, a lack of ikhlas, and of course of ujab as well, self-grandeur, that we want to be the, the, the apex predator. We want to be the only team and no other person is recognized. That is also completely wrong, you know. Uh, if the public see uh, this type of behavior, then they have the right not to follow uh, that particular ulama body or that particular alim. They can see someone that is less known. We shouldn't hang on the uh, kurtas of celebrities. That is the first mistake that the public are doing out there. They're not listening to what is being said. They are rather listening to who is saying what you find. Sometimes a lesser known alim is speaking more uh, of the truth than a person who is a celebrity that is fearing his whole world will come when he has to speak the truth. So all of these things are happening also, G. Jazakallah for that. Uh, this question says, uh, Mufti Saab, my brother-in-law who is an alim, forced uh, my husband to send our daughter to become a mu'allima. Sadly, Mufti Saab, she has come out and she's qualified, but she is so materialistic. Please advise. I'm shocked. Mufti Saab, uh, 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 a very startling revelation there. Yes, we should exhort our children, encourage them to study the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also teach them from a very, very young age to love and respect the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Further Islamic studies or high Islamic studies, that should be a choice of the child. Of course, with the consultation of the parent, you cannot force someone to do that because the child will only do it and in, in the child will endure the three or four years of studies, mm. just to keep you happy. And when the child qualifies from there, the child can come out as a hooligan. The child can come out as a completely different, well, not particular children, completely different something that uh, you yourself will be shocked, you know, because the child didn't want to be there in the first place. We have a big madrasa shafat. How many parents force their children and send them there? And then after that, children commit such heinous crimes that uh, we will be uh, forced to expel them, and when they go in the outside, and then they return to their normal life. So yes, you cannot force them to study uh, just because you are an alim as well. Gee.
uh, very uh, sane advice there, Mufti Sahib. Perhaps your parting words uh, this morning? Yes, inshallah, Shavad. I hope that uh, we meet soon, inshallah, on a, a, a normal platform where we will <laughs> be co-hosting again and uh, enjoying some uh, wonderful food. Make dua for this ummah as well. Uh, do not spoil your Jumu'ah. Rather give a charity to the poor people in whoever is out there, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the protection. Jazakumullah khairul jazah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And to all of you that sent in questions this morning, a big jazakallah khaira to you, you and you. Yeah, Yusuf, you handle that with a prompt, eh? Hey, the questions are just flying in and towards the end they were running in. Yeah, running. Yeah, they're taking off. Time for us to go for our break. When you get back, inshallah, we'll be rounding up and closing up the program this morning. Please stay tuned. You with Sirius FM 105.7, your number one station in the East Rand.